episode 28. Today, I'm speaking with Sunny Mun, MD from Rate My Hospital, about how to improve patient satisfaction. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Today, I am speaking with Dr. Sunny Mun, who works for a company called Quality Reviews on their flagship product, Rate My Hospital. And Rate My Hospital has been collecting digital surveys from patients for over a year now. And Dr. Sunny Mun really has some very interesting insights relative to what patients value when they go to a hospital and and what the major factors are relative to how they're going to evaluate the care that they've received. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Franklin HealthCom. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Sunny. Hi, good afternoon. Before we talk about your present day adventures at Rate My Hospital, could you talk a little bit about your origin story? You know, how did you come to be working on what you're working on now? I actually trained as a physician and I did an internal medicine residency program and quickly became interested in end-of-life care and practiced as a palliative care physician in an inpatient setting and was a clinical director of an inpatient hospice unit. And I did that for many years and um, found it incredibly rewarding, but also, as you would imagine, incredibly hard at times, but I loved what I did. I then decided to take some time off because I wanted to reevaluate my priorities. And while I was taking some time off and figuring out what kind of medicine I wanted to practice, I met Ed Chin uh, through a colleague and I had already become very interested in technology because it, it just, there was such buzz about all the changes that were coming in medicine related to technology. And it so happened that this person, Ed Chim, that I met, had just started a company using technology to elicit patient feedback. And given my interest in speaking with patients and finding out what patients' perspectives were around their medical care, this was a very fortuitous meeting that I had with Ed Chim. And so I joined Quality Reviews at that time. You were a practicing physician in a very demanding area of healthcare. At some point, you took a moment of reflection and took stock of maybe what you wanted to be when you grew up. <laughs> that's, I have to say, that's exactly it. I guess going even further back, like a lot of immigrants, my parents thought it would be very important to have a physician in the family. And so without much thinking on my part, I went to medical school, ended up loving clinical medicine. I never, ever stopped loving being with my patients or the medical issues. I always thought it was like solving an interesting puzzle a lot of times when I took care of patients. But the demands of making sure that I felt like I did the right thing for the patients and really spent time with my patients made it harder and harder for me to do the um, other parts of being a doctor these days, the administrative as well as paperwork. It, it was very hard for me to keep up with all that. 
And then I was a new mother. And so it was very hard to feel like I was a good doctor and a good mother. It was always, well, I'm a bad mother today or I'm a bad doctor today. (laughs) So I really wanted to make sure that whatever I did, I was doing it for the right reasons and because I wanted to and not because it was just something I had to do. Yeah, there's a great quote by Donald Trump. Not that I often go around quoting Donald Trump, but he said, if you're interested in balancing work and pleasure, stop trying to balance them. Instead, make your work more pleasurable. I thought that was really an interesting comment. But from a clinician's point of view, then, what did you find so appealing about Rate My Hospital that you so much as joined the company? A couple of things. When I practiced medicine, the kind of medicine I practiced was end-of-life care or hospice. And the single most important aspect of an end-of-life care, from my perspective, is patient communication. And I have to say that when people are at the end of life, whether it's the patient or the family, if the patient can't communicate, probably one of the most important things that you can do with them is just listen to them. A lot of the patients, because they've gone through a lot medically to get to the point where they're facing their end, they've been through a lot. And they've had a lot of, a lot of times just some pretty horrendous things also happen to them. Speaking with patients and letting them express themselves was something that it was always such a huge part of how I practice medicine and something that I really gravitated to. And I think that's why I became a palliative care physician initially also, because I just like talking to people, whether they were patients or not, and it was a good fit. And so when I met this person who was combining technology in a way so that more patients could have a voice, and it was essentially a tool to enable patients to talk about their experiences, it just Everything I could have wanted, um, to be honest with you, in terms of what I think is important in clinical medicine, as well as what makes me feel like I'm doing something meaningful and worthwhile. I'm really excited to have you explain what Rate My Hospital actually is and how it helps use technology to give patients the kind of voice that you're talking about. Rate My Hospital is my company Quality Reviews flagship product. It is a real-time patient feedback tool. Say I'm a patient. Could you just walk me through like what happens here? So I'm a patient and now what? So a couple of things that you should know about the technology aspects. We get to the patients through their smartphone. Before the patient even comes to the practice, when we have a client sign on with this, we have our computers talk to the hospital's computers so that we have the admissions, discharge, and transfer data. So the patient really doesn't know that anything extra is being done except what they usually experience when they go see their doctor. So let's say you go see your doctor and you see the doctor today and you finish the appointment at 1 p.m. We are notified by the hospital's um, computer systems that you were checked out at 1 p.m., our workflow is that you get a text message around 1.30, 30 minutes after your checkout time. So at 1.30, you will receive a message on your smartphone or cell phone. And it first thanks you for choosing that medical facility or provider. And then it asks for your feedback and you just hit the link and it immediately deploys a survey that does not require an app download or for you to go to any other website. And the survey is very simple to use. It can be finished in less than a minute. 
There's some rating questions in a format that's very familiar to, I think, just every consumer out there, similar to Amazon star ratings, as well as a free text field. When you fill out the survey, even before you finish this survey, as you're putting in your reply, it immediately goes to a dashboard where hospital staff can log on and see your feedback. And so that's the way in which it's real time. Now, you said when patients leave the practice. So I'm assuming that your customers are going to be hospitals and their surrounding ambulatory practices. Would that be correct? Yeah, we can do our survey in a variety of medical centers. I just mentioned outpatient because I think that it's a more straightforward example, but we do have our surveys in place on some inpatient units as well. And the inpatient side is a little bit different. Our clients tell us how frequently they want the patients to be assessed, but our clients at this point have chosen to assess the patient's feedback every day. I'm not aware of other providers of um, patient feedback um, surveys that do something similar to this. So the patients every single day that they're in the hospital gets a very brief message with the survey link asking them about their experiences while they're in the hospital. And the questions are um, slightly different. There are questions, for example, that ask things like, is the nurse checking up on you at set intervals? Are you getting assistance for your uh, personal care needs, such as grooming and going to the bathroom? And this provides our uh, medical facilities a unique opportunity because once the patient has already checked out, whether it's an outpatient visit or from an inpatient admission, you can do some service recovery if there were some issues, but if you can get to the patient before they've left your facility and are still within your care and find out that maybe you can improve in an area, that's an opportunity that's golden that you don't always have. And so we're very proud that we have uh, worked with our partner clients to provide the service so that the patients can really feel that their feedback has an impact on their care while they're receiving care. We're also in emergency rooms. So I can really see from a hospital perspective, while the patient is still in the hospital, that why the lifetime feedback is incredibly meaningful, because as you just said, they can pivot immediately and fix the, the services that are missing. Why would a patient at discharge, what would their information be valuable to have lifetime or is it less so? It's still just as important because many times when patients provide feedback in traditional survey methods and in many surveys that are still used, the patient provides feedback in something like, uh, it's usually paper. Now there is increasing services that provide email or telephone, but that data is then processed and not provided to the medical institution for two weeks, sometimes two months. And it's so important to get the feedback as close to the encounter as possible, if not during the encounter. One reason that if you think about when you get feedback, if you're a doctor, for example, and you are told, you know, this patient or these patients that you saw two months ago thought that you seemed like you were rushed and didn't really spend enough time with them. And you're like, well, who was that patient again two months ago? What happened? That feedback, it's not as meaningful, nor does it have the kind of impact as, you know, the patients that you saw this morning or the patient that you just saw an hour ago, this was their feedback about the experience. 
And one important aspect of feedback is that I don't want it to seem like we just we are in the business of just providing negative feedback. It's also in terms of rewards. When a staff is told about something that they did really well, again, if they know what the event was, and it's an event that was recent, so they can remember all the details related, whether it's for improvement or to recognize excellent care, it has much more of an impact. And I do think that makes a lot of sense. And it also sort of follows education theory, which I'm probably going to butcher because I know enough about it just to be dangerous, but fairly sure that it's fairly well documented that, you know, the faster the feedback loop, the more behavior changes. Absolutely, because you want to, whatever is the issue, whether you want to uh, reinforce a positive behavior or to change a negative behavior, if it's a positive behavior, you want to make sure it's confirmed so that they continue. And if it's a negative behavior, you want to try to work with your staff or even the doctor before it becomes a chronic behavior. Because once something is a chronic behavior problem, it's so much harder to address. I know that when I get feedback, if it's something that I wasn't aware of and it was something that I, if somebody can tell me, I'm giving you feedback about this is what I observed today and I can then relate to all of the factors around that episode. It's so much easier for me to understand how I can improve myself. Now, one thing that I'm curious about is from the hospital's point of view, this is going to be a two-part question, Sonny. Prepare yourself. (laughs) The, The first part of it is how often is the hospital actually reviewing this information? In other words, In order to complete the cycle of what you're talking about, not only does the technology have to port the survey results into the hospital in a timely fashion, but somebody's got to look at it in a timely fashion. So I'm wondering if this is something that once you set up your process that the staff of the hospital is looking at hourly? Well, so so a couple of things. Um, I think that each of our clients... Is slightly different and we are a company that provides the data and we think that we provide the best data in the best way possible and then our partner clients they then decide what are the processes they are going to institute using our dashboard to make sure that they can handle the data and make the most out of it generally what we have seen with our, with our clients so far is that there's a core team that's responsible for ensuring the best patient experience. And more and more hospitals have a department called patient experience, the department of patient experience or excellence in patient experience or some um, job title that's similar to that. And then they identify key people in each of the departments where our surveys deployed that even before they started working with us, that had some part of their job duty that was involved in ensuring that patients had the best experience. So I think part of it is having key people identified and then they are the ones who regularly check our dashboard. We also provide a lot of tools such as alerts so that if a staff member wants to be alerted every time a patient gives a relatively low rating so they can act upon it immediately they will be able to sign up for that alert. We also provide daily summary emails 
so that the staff are aware of any recent feedback that they need to follow up on. That kind of answers the second part of that question, which was going to be who exactly is able to, you know, is privy to this information. So it sounds like there is a core group, as you said, in the patient experience department or whatever the name of that group is, and that they have identified key patient experience champions, if you will, that exactly in each department so that if a poor review comes in, then it's the responsibility of that champion to go and speak with the people involved in the noted transaction, be it positive or negative. Exactly. And earlier when I was talking about why it's important to have timely feedback in regards to um, giving specific individuals feedback about what the patients may have said, if you also think about it in terms of service recovery, it's important that the feedback is timely, but maybe not so, it's not that you have to act upon the results that minute, but let's say you start to notice that The patients are noting in your outpatient practice that the cleanliness is an area that needs improvement on and you see a consistent pattern that morning of, you know, let's say you've gotten four survey results back already and they're all showing very low scores in cleanliness. You can then have the appropriate people called in and address the areas that were a problem in terms of cleanliness and then you can have it fixed that afternoon. And again, um, maybe that first survey result may not be all the information that you need to make a change in how you provide the services. But if you start to see a trend and that trend, because we provide real-time data and again, we provide a quantity of uh, completed surveys that I think more that are more than other companies, you can see a trend in a day. Whereas um, in the past, the trends were over like weeks or months and then you get those results back and then And then you're like, well, I've already fired half the people that were working when this happened or when we noticed a trend two months ago. And so that's also how our data is used. It sounds like the dashboard that you're providing isn't just simply a spreadsheet of data results. It's also analyzed. Like there's some good looking charts and graphs which really show trend lines or areas of where the hospital is achieving great success or not so much. Right. So we provide some um, average scores as well as score breakdowns that you can filter by certain time intervals, such as last 24 hours, last week, last six months, you know, the last year. And yes, we provide raw data on a spreadsheet if that's how you like to work. But we also provide a very simple to use, I think, in a very um, visually pleasing way, the data so that you can quickly look at it and pick up on some patterns. Um, of uh, areas where maybe there could be some improvement or areas where you're doing really well. I'm insanely curious about this. So you have been collecting surveys for a little over a year now, right? Uh, right that's cor- yeah, that's correct. Our first survey was deployed in July of 2013. What have you learned about the factors that patients find the most important to their patient satisfaction? What are the things that patients really seem to care about? There have actually been studies around this. And so it's confirmed in our surveys, which are around waiting time. So when patients are seeing a provider, the waiting time is a big factor in cleanliness. And those are two discrete or objective measures that are more easily addressed than, let's say, communications issues with the entire staff. But those are two areas. But what I think is more nuanced about that 
especially in regards to wait time is in terms of uh, what the patients are saying in the free text field regarding feedback about wait time, a lot of times it's not the wait time itself, it's, it's around communication around the wait time. Were they informed that there were delays? Were they told ahead of time that their appointment for a transfusion would take four plus hours? And I think a lot of times what the patients are trying to say is, listen, I understand this is what happens sometimes in medical practices. If somebody had told me, because some of these delays were known about and were expected, or you do these transfusions all the time, you told me it would be two and a half hours. Well, it takes two and a half hours to do the test, and then you have to wait, and then actual transfusion is another two and a half hours. That's what a lot of patients also are saying around waiting time. It's not just, yeah, the waiting time was, you know, 30 minutes to see my doctor and so I'm giving you a low rating. It's, it's more along the lines of you didn't tell me that the wait time in your practice is sometimes up to 30 minutes or 45 minutes. So that maybe you can't fix the waiting time issues if you, if that's a problem area in your practice. But I think that it's relatively simple and easier to address if you're better at telling your patients ahead of time about some of these things that they may experience. And I think that would go a long way. And that totally makes sense because what it assumes is that patients are actually planning their day. (laughs) So by not communicating, um, you're not allowing someone to have a schedule. That's absolutely it. I can't imagine anything more frustrating than being told that your appointment's going to take up two hours of your day and then finding out you feel like you don't have any control, right? I mean, you certainly can't leave in the middle of your doctor's appointment and you have, you know, you have to pick up your child or you have some other. I think all of us, when you feel like you don't have any control, it's probably one of the worst things. And especially when you're medically ill and you're so dependent on your medical staff and you want to be nice to your medical staff and not lose it. Yeah, it's very frustrating. And I also think that it also borders on disrespectful. What it implies is that my time or the patient's time is not valuable, which is, you know, also could rub, certainly rub people the wrong way. I know it would rub me the wrong way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the other one that you mentioned is cleanliness, and that certainly makes sense. Again, I think that... I don't think that patients necessarily expect a sparkling, spectacularly, beautifully designed room every single time. As long as they see an effort and if they are saying that there's a problem and there's an attempt to address it, and even if if it was an outpatient visit and the patient is no longer at the practice, ensuring that the next patient doesn't experience the same thing or calling that patient or sending a card to the patient who gave that feedback about the cleanliness being um, not what it should, what they had expected that day goes a long way in ensuring the patients that this is not how we usually function. And, you know, we want to, we're going to do a better job because that's what you deserve. What's interesting is that these top two factors that you mentioned don't really address the quality of care so much? Or or is that what you're talking about when you're talking about there's nuance? The other things are more nuanced, so they're harder to talk about. Yes, that's what, yes, that's it exactly. These are not, I wouldn't say that these are the two things that patients have the most concerns about. I think that they're probably certainly in the category of one of the most common 
but they're more straightforward to talk about. And in terms of uh, responding, it's a little bit more straightforward. You know, there's lots of other areas where uh, patients, uh, in terms of communication, where patients go out of their way to say things are going well. And in terms of the things that make the patients feel that they were listened to is uh, just being told what's going on. Uh, one patient I remember in their comments said, you know, the nurse told me that my bed stool wasn't ready. This was a patient in the emergency room and she didn't know why it was taking so long, but she told me that a couple of times. And I really appreciated that because that told me she didn't forget about me. And, um, and this patient had very positive things to say. And this patient was in a situation that, you know, most of us would not want to be in, which is the hospital's full, you're in the emergency room, you know, you're getting admitted, but there's no bed yet. But she really appreciated that the nurse let her know that it's a concern and the nurse was trying to do everything possible. But at that point, they still didn't have a bed for the patient. It sounds like a third patient, top five patient concern would be communication, but it almost sounds like there's a degree of concern or caring, which is rolled into that kind of communication. Exactly. So a hospital staff that is human and and shows a degree of compassion or concern to ensure that the patient is happy and cared for could be number three. Yes. Were there any things that directly related to the provider patient engagement that seemed to have significant impact on how the patients evaluated their care? I think that if the patients felt that the doctor was in a rush or was um, not listening to them, that was something that not only did they provide a lower rating, they also often commented on it and said these are the factors. And sometimes uh, patients also are concerned about privacy. And in this day and age when I as a provider and every provider out there we're so much more concerned about privacy than we were before um, our favorite HIPAA regulations were in place. It still is not always insured. So patients feel that they can't really connect with whoever's speaking with them, whether it be doctor or nurse, if the communication is in front of some other people that they weren't introduced to. Or in some settings where it's a little harder to ensure privacy, such as in emergency rooms, um, there are some steps that can be taken, but whenever there is some perception that everything possible to protect the patient's privacy was not taken, patients notice that, and that's something that's of concern to them. Even the most eloquent doctor would have a hard time getting the patient to uh, feel that they are concerned if the patient feels that you know, their privacy was already not protected. What does violating privacy look like? Does it look like the doctor coming out into the waiting room and broadcasting that the patient has, you know? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, for, for example, when I was hired for my last job, I, I'm going to make it personal about me because I've been a patient as well. Um, as part of the required pre-employment physical, I had to get a drug test like many jobs require. So I went to this laboratory and I was in a waiting room with, you know, 15, 20 people. And I chose a place that was very close to my house and potentially with people, you know, in my neighborhood. And they called out my name, my full name. And they called out the test I was there for, which was a drug test. And I, I, I still, to this day, I still can't believe that happened to me. I was so infuriated. And when I talked to the staff, 
they kind of shrugged it off. And I guess this was probably about, I guess about four or five years ago. Even now when I think about it, it makes me angry. <laughs> Did you inform them about what is the fines, like a hundred grand or two hundred grand? <laughs> you know, it, it's when it's something like that, it's harder to prove. Yeah, I mean, you would think that even with just common sense, but I think that that's a pretty good example of somebody not thinking about that and how my hippo my rights were violated. And I think, of course, because they, it was about a drug test that made me particularly sensitive to them announcing it in front of everybody. Okay, a quick review of the factors that we just discussed. I have written down six of them. Wow. Things that patients are particularly concerned about, which impact their satisfaction with the quality of care that they've received. One of them is wait times slash communication around that wait time. In other words, being communicated a realistic time frame so that they can create schedules, their own mm -hmm. schedules. Two is cleanliness. Makes sense. Three is a show of caring. It's probably equivalent to customer care there. We also have listening, that the providers listen, that they're not so rushed that they can't listen. And then the last one is concern about privacy. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's a pretty good list. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Why? And I, I probably could guess that the reason why a hospital would be concerned about the care that their patients are receiving. But why don't you, is, is there a quick kind of checklist that you could share of the main reasons why a hospital would hire you or why they're concerned about their patient satisfaction? Well, I think that one factor that is relatively new, just I guess in the last five years, is that now there is some money behind patient satisfaction. CMS, which is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid um, uh, Services, has now mandated that acute care hospitals get regular feedback from their patients, um, and there's a require a minimum number of surveys that they have to obtain from their patients. They also have to show that their patients have ranked them highly in certain categories, and they have to do this or else they will lose out on payments from Medicare. And as much as um, I know that day-to-day, -day, the average doctor, nurse, and you know, registration staff, they do care about the patients, but it seems like with anything in a big industry, if there's some money behind a new measure, it makes people more motivated. In my background of palliative care, uh, we didn't say patient experience. I think that's sort of a newer term, but patient experience was always what we always tried to ensure that the patients received in terms of the best patient experience and patient care. But I always felt like I was swimming against the tide because I always heard, oh, yeah, I agree with you, but I never have time. And, you know, it just wasn't, everybody agreed it was important, but it just, nobody really talked about it uh, in an objective way as something that's measurable, something that you can spend time in um, improving an important measure and evaluating how your providers are doing in terms of, you know, is it, it's not just how many papers have you published if you're an academic, if you're in an academic medical center. But, you know, are your patients feeling like they got the best care from you? So I think, number one, it's uh, with the changes in regulation, new regulations. I think that, number two, I think 
I really, I, I don't know, I sound like a Pollyanna, but I do think that people in medical care do have a real concern and care about how their patients feel about their medical care. And with the um, increased comfort with technology in medical care, I think that people are more receptive to, hey, we've always cared. And instead of uh, asking patients to drop a note in that comment box, let's use a technology that will ensure that as many patients as possible can provide us with feedback so that we have a representative, the feedback that we get is representative and it's not just the extremes in one direction or another. I think another important reason for a medical facility or practice to consider our company or any uh, company that they think will provide them with the best data on patient experience is for customer loyalty and brand protection. I think that patients are more and more expecting that the hospitals engage them and not just passively, but active engagement. I think that with all of the resources that are out there for patients to go, such as on the internet and give feedback, you want to ensure that there's a constructive way for the patients to provide feedback. I don't think that there is, you know, I have no problems with anybody going to the internet and writing a review about a facility if they if they felt that they truly got or care and writing whatever they want. The one issue with that is that oftentimes that feedback doesn't get to the right channels. And so, yeah, you, you know, you have this review on the internet, but it doesn't address any of the problems. And so I think hospitals are concerned about potentially patients going and saying things on the internet that they can't really they don't have access to that information so that it can be, that feedback can be used in a way that can improve the services and also provide this is a healthier or more productive way for that kind of uh, feedback. And I think those are the main reasons why a medical center or practice should consider using a product such as Rate My Hospital to engage your patients. We've got reimbursement, which this is one in a long line of uh, inter. You are one, Sunny, of, of a long line of interviewees who have reiterated the idea that unless it's reimbursed, it doesn't happen. So, you know, pretty much. So reimbursement is certainly one reason why patient satisfaction is, is critical. Two, we've got the brand loyalty that you spoke about. And I'm going to assume that patient retention is also a big part of that market share, local market share is all probably boiled into the same thing, as well as what you mentioned about the your Internet reputation. Exactly. Cool. So if you were going to give some advice to someone who has a few hours this afternoon and would really like to start considering how to improve the patient experience at their facility, how would you advise them to get started with this? I think it depends on if the facility has some process in place for eliciting patient feedback. In a facility where there is no formalized regular feedback, I guess the first question you would want to ask is, why not? And if it's a priority in in your institution to get feedback from the patients, then by all means, go out and you know call us, call any company that you think will provide you with the data that makes the most sense with uh, your practice. In a facility or practice that 
may have some process in place. I think you have to ask yourself, just like with any product that you pay money for, are you satisfied with the data that you're getting? Are you satisfied that it's representative of the patients and not just of uh, not just the extremes in terms of uh, the experience feedback? Is the data that you're receiving reliable and robust? Yes. Patient experience is subjective in that it's oftentimes asking patients for their opinion on medical care, but it doesn't mean that the information that you get around that shouldn't be assessed in a rigorous way so that you're making sure that you're getting as much data as possible um, so that it's reliable and that you are getting it from patients with a wide variety of background and um, feedback. I think that you also have to be prepared with how you're going to handle or integrate that data into your day-to-day practice. I talked about my leaving medicine earlier, and I'm not saying that, that just because somebody gets raped by hospital, they're going to, you know, it's going to make staff quit. But I do think that it's very important before you embark on any new um, initiative that you have some idea of how that tool is going to complement what you already do and how it's going to fit into the workflow. Because the worst thing you could do is ask for feedback and do nothing about it. Ask a staff that's already feeling, you know, not as supportive as they could be and then know, well, we started getting more feedback and they're saying the registration staff is slow. So I want you to do this other task to get feedback but then that's taking away time for them to do what they need to to make sure that patients get checked in in a timely fashion. So, yeah, the best tool to assess patient feedback, you know, it's always great to have the best tool, but also that you know how to use the tool and that it makes sense and that you are prepared to interact with that data is just as important. If someone is interested in learning more about this topic, patient satisfaction, or they'd like to explore Rate My Hospital further, where could they get a hold of you, Sunny? Go to our company website, um, and it's www.ratemyhospital.com. Very, very easy. There is a Canadian government rating agency that has a slightly similar name, but it will be pretty obvious if you Google www.ratemyhospital.com. Fantastic. Well, I thank you so much for being on the program today. Stacey, this was a lot more fun than I was expecting, so I really, really appreciate talking with you. Links to everything discussed during the episode today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. I'll tell you the other thing that you will find at RelentlessHealthValue.com, and that is a way to subscribe to the show. If you subscribe... The cool thing is that you don't have to remember to go to the website every week to download the new episode. It will automatically be sent to you in one of two ways. The first way is you can type in your email address in the, there's a a sidebar on the right hand side of the website where you will find a place that you could type in your email address and then you will get an email once a week with a, a link to download the episode. So that's one way to go. The second is is also in that same right-hand sidebar on the Relentless Health Value website, you will find a large orange dot. If you click on that dot, then you'll get taken to a place where you can click on the subscribe button in iTunes. If you click on that, then 
each week, your iTunes will automatically download the episode, which you could choose to listen to on your computer or on the podcast app on your mobile phone. If you enjoyed this episode, please, I beg you, uh, it would be really, really helpful if you would rate and review the show either on iTunes or interact with us on Twitter. Our uh, Twitter handle is Relentless with only one S, health. So Relentless with only one S, health. I would love to hear from you. We would find it very inspiring over here at the Relentless Health Value podcast. I thank you so much for tuning in and so much for spending the time with us. Thank you.